Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. or welcome back at this podcast where I interview artist people about the work that they do. Today we are in uh, Kuvatila, which is the Fine Art Academy in Helsinki's gallery. Um, I am here with Edo Vecchi, a classmate of mine, and yeah, you can say hi if you want. <laughs> and Corin Mustonen, a performance artist or dancer. What are you in Teak? Yeah, I would say I'm a performer. Perf- a performer from the Theatre yeah. Academy, which is adjacent to uh, the Fine Arts Academy. And we are I here. also wouldn't say that I'm from there. I'm no? mainly using the resources. Okay. No, I studied elsewhere and then I went there during college. I'm sorry, I so, did not mean to put you in No, no, a it's box. fine, it's fine. It's just that I actually don't know so much about the studies because I haven't studied that much. That's super okay. Right, yeah. but you are a dancer and then a performer. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and today we are here in Etus uh, installation Ex Machina. Um, yeah, I think... Can you just explain, like, a short summary what it is, and then we will start describing it more? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, it's pronounced uh, ex machina, I think, in Latin. Uh, okay. It comes Ooh. from the um, from the uh, saying or phrase uh, "Deus ex machina," mm. uh, which uh, means uh, like a machine uh, from the god. Um, that uh, then I uh, didn't use the Deus, uh, which means the God, but just uh, ex machina uh, in the in the name. So something uh, from the machine. Um, and yeah, the piece is um, an installation uh, with uh, laser engravings and also a performance um, and a sound installation. So kind of like a little bit everything. Uh, it's a med- multimedia installation. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's built on, on, on algorithms, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the images um, uh, that are um, built into an installation with light panels and laser carvings on top of them, the images of the laser carvings on paper uh, are um, 
are generated with an uh, AI and then uh, manipulated and made into a physical form uh, to images in paper or like carvings in paper. Um, yeah, uh, and these these images I call uh, uh, or, or or we we use the have used the word uh, speculative notations, which which means uh, basically that uh, the images uh, images are not just uh, uh, images uh, or aesthetic images, which they also are, but. Uh, uh, but uh, for us, they have been uh, also notations, or we have tried to read them as notations. notations. Um, something that uh, in music, for example, people use, like musical notations, uh, like something writing or anything on the paper, and that is then translated into sound. Or in, uh, in the dance uh, uh, history. There's been different types of uh, notations uh, used um, to uh, uh, kind of uh, how to say to uh, inform what kind of movements to make and uh, and so on. Yeah, or I mean, within dance, it's often referred to as scores right. or score reading, like the way we have been working. Yeah. it's and it's quite common in like Western postmodern dance, so very specific. I just want to pin it when you say like dance. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then yeah. because notations is maybe often something that's uh, done to memorize a dance that has mm-hmm. already happened or occurred. Yeah. So yeah. so we have been reading them or as scores. Right. Yeah. What is a dance score? Can you just explain what that means to the audience? <laughs> it's like a score for dancing. So in a way, it, it, it's similar as in music. Then would be notations mm-hmm. or yeah. Notes. In music, it's called uh, it's called a score or as a well. notation. And or this a is like you know notes. You know like right yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so for like dancers, a, is it also notes? No. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but it's like a question of interpretation. Mm. So you kind of what we have been working a lot. It's like translation. So you actually learn how to read musical scores to to dance them, or is it different kind of different kind of? It it depends a lot on the score. This is that in dancing it's very open. You could read almost anything. Can be like a manuscript. Yes, I could read your tattoo as a score and try to dance it. Ah, But it's more this like effort that you put in trying to translate it to something. Which is what you have been doing in this process, right? Because it. This is your piece to start with. You came up with the idea and worked with the algorithm first, right? Right to generate some kind of uh, some kind of uh, speculative notations that would then be uh, used as a material to produce something else or something out of them. So you have made graphic works from this idea of like AI collaboration, and then these graphic works have been turned into a sculptural light installation, and then. Corinne, you have been performing now during this week with interpreting that into dance, so... Yes, but also <laughs> when when we first started discussing this, I said that I I only want to do it if Eto is the choreographer, so takes the responsibility of the outside eye, right. uh, that I myself prefer working from the inside. So in that sense, mm-hmm. it is a set performance. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, in the end, Edu has had like the veto, like the final word of what will be in and out. But the way we have worked, like the methods have been exactly this, like score reading. Right. And also Muretu Meri, who made the sound. And also Raisa Raudas, who made the dress. We have all been like 
mm-hmm. we're interpreting in our own ways and yeah. together collectively these annotations. So yes. it's like translation between a lot of different mediums, a lot of different <coughs> language traditions, more abstractly, and, and a lot of different personalities or people. Yeah, exactly. Including yes. <laughs> an AI mm-hmm. uh, system. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for the listeners who, if there's anyone out there who still don't know what an AI means, it's artificial intelligence, and we have made it so far now in the world of 2023 that people can collaborate creatively with AIs on like creating art. It's quite spectacular. Mm. Yeah, it's rather interesting, and also, um, but also uh, there's some uh, um, problems maybe or some issues that I find. Um, also interesting in artistic practice because the AI itself is somehow like um, heartless or cold uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and in, in a way that like in example the um, uh, images or the notations that we've made they're kind of senseless in a sense that it, they don't uh, like they don't have some inner uh, meaning in themselves in the way that the creator of them uh, the creator of this um, Images would want to um, uh, want to tell something, or it's more kind of nonsensical in that sense. So then, I think uh, what what we have been trying to do is to also um, like not only read the scores, but also try to um, through different exercises fantasize the creator of the scores. When you say the creator, do you mean the AI, or do you mean you? Or who no, is no. I I mean the AI, AI. in the sense that like because yeah. it doesn't have uh, like because the like these images that are being produced. Uh, of course, I have been then uh, manipulating them in in, in certain mm-hmm. ways, but um, but still, I, I somehow feel that they don't have a creator uh, in the sense that right they are AI created, but. Um, uh, but the process of creation and what it means and everything that's behind it and all the craft that goes into it and all the meanings behind it are, I think, very uh, important part, at least for me, in arts. It's mm. not only something that looks nice or interesting, but mm. also like everything that's uh, behind it. So then uh, when you can't see behind it somehow, because it's just like a deep learning algorithm putting something out, like putting an output, yeah, yeah. Uh, then, then it has been also a really uh, interesting challenge to us to kind of fantasize like what it could, like who could be the creator somehow, like what kind of person- it right, what kind of personality and yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I had one other conversation with um, Michelle from Hackstage in Copenhagen. Uh, Michel Winklacro, uh, who used AI uh, to create visuals for a theater where he was doing visuals mm-hmm. as this cabaret theater, and he talked about it like a tool, like a like like a visual. <laughs> the soundscape is really like dynamic we put here. Yeah. A bit more quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's we will, epic, but it's quite loud. Yeah, we will turn this up. But yeah, definitely. Michelle talks more about, or did talk more about, the AI as a tool for creating visuals, just that he uses different, like, other software as mm-hmm. tool, mm-hmm. as an artist. And I, the reason why I'm saying collaboration and stuff here is because that's how you have named it in the, in the text about the piece, right? That it's right. a collaboration with AI. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe um, now we are going quite deep into the whole crux of it all, but can we just bring the audience with us into the space? Because we've talked about all these ima- visuals and images and like we are surrounded by all this sound they can hear, but they don't actually know how the room looks. Right. Yeah. So can you help me describe the actual like setting we are in right now? Sure. Of course. Um, so, so in the room there is um, five light panels um, that are covered with, um, with with papers, where there are laser engravings, uh, so that uh, the engraved part of the papers. Um, when lit from the uh, behind, are then uh, producing an image. Mm. And so it's kind of a negative image of the actual image because the light comes from behind the paper and lights more vividly from the parts that are being engraved. And what is, what are these engravings? They are quite similar, but a little bit, there's like at least one that is quite different. Can you explain what is actually on the images somehow? Right, so um, yeah, this is a tricky question. They are uh, like different kind of shapes and forms and and um, that's also a question that we've been trying to figure out. What, what's But how did papers? you, like you put certain words in there and then yeah, this is still for me, like they're kind of random, but you still had certain like definitions of how the AI would Yeah, play. yeah, and that's maybe the collaborative part somehow, like uh, working with the algorithm in the sense that... Uh, so I use text-to-image algorithm, uh, more specifically uh, one called Midjourney. Mm. And um, so what I first wanted to produce was uh, like a musical scores. Mm. Um, And I was thinking about this uh, historical uh, kind of uh, idea of graphical scores that came um, in uh, like around 100 years ago. People started to kind of like try out new things uh, with different kind of notation systems. And, um, and, and then I was thinking like, yeah, how, how could I produce something with that with AI and how to read it and so on. So that was the first question. So then I used different keywords to try to produce this and then just like played around and saw what kind of results uh, um, came up and uh, eventually um, ended up with uh, these things that I, and these kind of forms uh, and images that I I found somehow, well, uh, aesthetically pleasing, but also informative uh, in, in an interesting way. Like, it, it, like somehow um, I started to think that this, this could be uh, interesting to mm-hmm. try to read. Yeah, I, I mean, four of them are quite similar, whereas if I'm to see it as musical notes, they're quite zoomed in, so only like a few notes or right. some on each uh, mm-hmm. picture. And they, if I did not know they were musical notes, I would just say that they are like abstract, wavy shapes, or like some of them are square. And mm. but it looks like a you know a Kandinsky style abstract or something, where mm. it's more about like the shapes and the strokes and right. and mm. it's quite like um, clean in a way, but still mm. loose mm. somehow. I've it now it's engraved and it's so it's in this specific 
shadowy way looking, but it could have been drawn with a pencil or yeah, something. Yeah. And then there's one that stands out because it looks like hieroglyphs or runes or something mm -hmm. on a, an old paper or something. Yeah, it definitely has this kind of like a very ancient uh, so style. It, it looks somewhere. more like la language or signs to be read and it's more zoomed out. Right. So right. is this like a small selection of like a huge... Uh, collection of, of results absolutely yeah like uh, thousands of uh, images that wow. I've then like thousands of tries where I've uh, like picked certain things and uh, put them together and yeah so you also cropped them and everything yeah uh, some of them are more uh, the original and some are um, uh, some are kind of co made uh, as collage uh, mm. of different mm. images yeah that's funny because now when you say that, that's maybe somehow also how, like, then our artistic process has been. Right. In a way. So, <laughs> I mean, this is very unpopular, but <laughs> I, I, I really, like, I dream of somehow being this uh, medium or, like, this archive. Or somehow I see myself also when I work specifically with dance. Mm. Of course, it depends on the project. But like some kind of AI that I just have this, um, yeah, like an archive of techniques. and Is it and, always and like that or for this specifically? <laughs> of course, I recognize that I'm a person also. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But specifically in this, there's some kind of relief for me to work in an installation space, mm. uh, like within the frame of visual arts. So I haven't spent like so much time on what is my body representing. Yeah, and maybe you yeah. have had a very light touch to that anyway, but more like time with, okay, this, this is the material that we have, and how can I translate it through this some kind of, um, yeah, <laughs> trying to just like widen the archive or search that I have. Yeah. And then to give, Edu, it's really also from my initiative to give him uh, the agency to then decide what's eventually going to be in it in the end. Right. Whereas in a traditional hierarchical setup, it would maybe just be like um, the choreographer's desires that I then try to reproduce. Mm. Mm. But now I quite mean, enjoy that there is this AI aspect of it, that there's something yeah. else that has, that has kind of defined the material that we work with. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it was really interesting when you talked about that. Or the idea of archive, in a sense, because of mm. course the practice, uh, like dance practice or a musical practice or whatever, the, like a craft is an archive mm. of different mm. kind of knowledges that yeah. you then can use. But also the way how we've uh, practiced or how we've created this piece is somehow creating an archive. First, like creating an archive out of different exercises and then using that archive um, uh, to, to create a form or uh, yeah. to create a piece. And quite like, if I understand it right, also how the AI works, like, it gathers from... I mean, it, it only also has a, a certain amount of resources, and depending on what kind of information that is, that's right. also what kind of images it will then create. So mm. recognizing also this, my um, background in, like, very Western-specific, like, contemporary dance, mm -hmm. and then not... Because I often then get afraid of re reproducing certain techniques. Mm. Yeah. And then it's been really nice to actually recognize that and get past it and get really specific with the movements and the mm. qualities. And be like... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. last episode, um, 
I recorded, I talked to three dancers from the Theatre Academy from TEAC about their degree performances and we talked about this, how dance and movements, they travel from body to body, so when you dance together or practice together, you kind of like rub off on each other or absorb some of each other's like body knowledge somehow and then like you bring that with you and as you say, to this idea that a craft is it like an archive of skills or tools that you carry with you and you can utilize them or not and when that all is embodied within your physique within your actual movements like how do you select from that archive or toolbox and what do you put down or take up or you know how are you aware or in control of what tool you're using now for which purpose or that is quite interesting yeah it is but then to have the luxury to have like an outside eye and from that work quite like it, it, um, intuitively in some way. Mm. And I believe very strongly that my intuition or my gut feeling is actually uh, just a reproduction of what I have um, rehearsed the most. Mm. So my intuition is not random, but it is still a very good and refined tool. And mm. it's quite um, liberating to work with that. To say like, this feels right. <laughs> right. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Like I explained in the last episode with the other dancers, um, I like to embody people I know that how I like how they dance, so I catch myself dancing and I will be like these people. And I'm yes. like, oh, I'm this friend now, cool. They are I'm moving it this way. And then I'm like realizing mm-hmm. that on the dance floor, I am now this other person yeah, and they yeah, are yeah. with me there somehow. Mm-hmm. Or I stand next to people that dance cool in the club so that I can be inspired or like yeah, motivated yeah. from dance, dancing next to the other cool dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like copying is a compliment. Yeah, really. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, it is interesting. So when I saw the performance here the other day in this space, I was thinking that you were mimicking uh, this machine because, okay, initially when I saw <laughs> it to present this work, I saw you presenting the laser cutter working. Yeah, or actually or like, a CNC machine. <laughs> the CNC uh, machine, yeah. but like the actual machine drawing right. from the algorithm. Right. That was what I saw. It was a huge machine in the middle of the space. It was very mechanical and it was making all these drawings. And so when I saw the performance put in, I thought that you were like somehow embodying or impersonating this type of machine working. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was actually uh, exactly what was going on yeah. somehow. So, so it's very nice that you uh, yeah. you caught it uh, yeah. like that. Um, the yeah. first part of, mm-hmm. uh, of the performance yeah, was the somehow... Beginning. Yes. Yeah, Yes, for sure. Yeah. process of the piece as well that you are starting with being the machine translating uh, words or whatever 
onto paper and then you go into more free movements and so is that how the project mm -hmm. evolves from being a machine on paper to being like this larger collaboration with different people and spatial I mean it's a very nice reading of it mm. but uh, it's not exactly how we have worked okay. we have been doing like different tasks of reading the scores and, and imaginative tasks and then it has created and often it has been in relation to this uh, see and CNC, CNC machine. machine. Yeah. What is a CNC machine, just so the audience... Right, can right. Understand. So it's a machine that's usually used to uh, carve, in example, wood or something, like in a way that you have uh, like a digital file of different kind of uh, roots and movements. Mm. And then... Um, or plastic or whatever. Or plastic, or metal, yeah. Or, or metal, right, yeah. right. But then uh, instead of using a drill with the machine, I used, um, I used a pen uh, to, to draw on paper. And then I first like used this machine to produce the uh, speculative notations uh, into a physical form. Mm. And I thought that as they are producing these uh, speculative notations into, into a phys physical form, then they are also somehow uh, performing them because there's uh, interesting like uh, sound and movement from the machine. So it is oh, a, sure. um, so that's how uh, this whole process somehow started. And then, uh, yeah, go on. Okay. <laughs> no, I just want to say that we were gonna. That was actually what I agreed to. That it would be a duet that yeah. I would perform together with the CNC machine. So right. you thought it was going to be in the space at the same time, or yeah, or we all thought yeah, for quite some the, time. Yeah, that was the concept. Yeah. yeah. So maybe eventually, now that it isn't, um, then yeah, in some way, maybe I represent both. Yeah. Mm. Um, because to start with, the pen on the paper is somehow dancing a choreographed uh, like routine that you have come up with together with the AI, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you are then the pen on the paper that would in be the me. space. Yes. <laughs> Objectifying myself as I desire. And um, so let's talk a bit about the sound. So in this space, we're in this white cube gallery. Uh, which we have talked about many times in this podcast. The white cube is like all the walls are white and you can do what you want in here. It's very minimalistic and clean somehow. There's a bit of like lamps and construction looking like pipes and things in the ceiling, but it's black up there. It's trying to be hidden. So you had free hands with like how to install your things in here and you chose mm -hmm. to put all these light panels on the floor and up against the walls. Right. And then we have how many speakers? Six. Six speakers, yeah. uh, like omni place. So we are sitting in the circle of six speakers that all play a different soundtrack, right? Yeah, or I mean, they, they uh, are creating a spatial uh, sound image uh, in the sense that they... Um, they are playing the same sounds in the way that the sounds are circulating in the space uh, between the speakers. And um, how did, did all these sounds or all this music come about? Like, mm. Mm. Uh, so uh, one of our uh, uh, one of the collaborators, Murat Tumeri, uh, they um, uh, they have basically created the soundscape. Uh, 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 also collaborating uh, with us uh, in rehearsals we have made like uh, um, different reading of these uh, uh, images uh, and then mm. produced sound and movement and text yes. and so on and so there's been different kind of uh, um, 
chains of translations uh, from these yeah. uh, images and then uh, that's kind of the source for both uh, mm. uh, the dance movement and uh, and uh, and sound material and also for the costume yeah and also for the costume that's then true Raisa Raudas has also been yeah present and then some of the sounds also are um, are being uh, played uh, with violin by Meriheini Luoto and Um, it was a really nice um, recording session with her. Uh, she, she's an amazing uh, violinist, and um, and um, we just went to the studio. I had some of the notations with me, and then I like explained like how we have been working on, and then like we started to look at these images, and then uh, did this kind of uh, meditative exercise with them, and then she just. Uh, started to play the images and it was like wow like she's playing them exactly like uh, like they look like in a way that it was like such a synesthetic kind of thing wow. uh, for me at least yeah. so um, so actually people mimicking the way that AIs are programmed to work you know text to image or uh, text to sound or like there are all these different AI machines now or um, algorithms that you can use And mm-hmm. so you have been trying to to make people do the same exercises somehow. Yeah, somehow it's somehow, like a some, yeah. it's like a process. Like yeah. it, it's a process of translations, different yeah, kind exactly. of translations. Like first the AI translating something like like yeah. uh, made with like so much like different kind of data and resources uh, made by people, and then uh, then we are kind of like trying to um, how to say. Like reroute the process to mm-hmm. fact, like uh, um, to uh, to get it like back to the this data back to the physical world world mm-hmm. in a new form. Yeah, new it's medium. very interesting. Yeah, in a way, and then yet uh, for me at least, like oh, quite often, my artistic work has to do with translation, mm-hmm. or like especially yeah. when you work like interdisciplinary. Right. So in a way, it's maybe new, and then it's also like so. Old <laughs> way of working. Yeah. It's maybe the yeah the materials are different, but yeah, yeah but contemporary or modern dance or performance is <laughs> I am like uh, competing with some kind of like a uh, mountain avalanche. <laughs> yeah. So in the in the sound installation, sometimes there's very loud parts where there's uh, like in example yeah. this kind of like rock kind of like grinding sounds that are I think really well. Um, Uh, resembling the textures of some of these yeah. uh, images, so it's uh, it was really nice when uh, Murat Mary introduced this kind of kind of sound quality because it for me it was like such a like clear uh, reading of yeah. some of the textures. Do you know maybe it? ah what I wanted yes, to say, but sure. I tried to say <laughs> was that it sounds very dramatic somehow yeah, yeah, to try definitely. people mimicking AI, and maybe what my point was that it's also very light way of work like there's always this level of fiction mm-hmm. that is for me very exciting that it's so random <laughs> it's so random this material yes. that is chosen somehow so it yeah it's also very random which sounds come when like now that you are like surprised in this yeah. space yeah but isn't yeah. it so that modern dance or contemporary dance often is about like um Yeah, like you say, interpretation and translation, but this kind of like abstraction of things or interpreting something somehow. 
it's a lot yes, harder. Yes, I mean, there's so many ways yeah, to, yeah, of course. to work with dance. But I guess it's always because in, in a rehearsal process or any kind of learning moment, we often communicate by speaking. So there will forever be, be this glitch, kind of, right. at least between language and movement. And right. then here also, then like visuals and movement. And, yeah. and I mean, within visual arts as well, and especially music, maybe like there's a lot of interpretation happening and there's a lot of like... Uh, observation and reformulation and yeah it was uh, trying to turn down <laughs> the volume yet again i think was it like it almost got louder last time you did turned it down yeah i think so and i don't know <laughs> what's going on <laughs> it's not my system <laughs> do you know if the sound designer uh, recorded actual sounds and used or is it also like computer generated or I think there's a lot of samples and computer-generated things mm -hmm. and some recordings as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, a, a mixture of like so many different things, which is also mm -hmm. part of uh, the, uh, I think, the uh, concept, I think, that, yeah. that it's like a, um, that things come from like many different sources and, mm. um, and somehow still like make sense together. So have you been like the conductor of it all somehow, or the director putting all the threads together and making some final decisions, or has it been a collective process? Well, I, I have uh, had the kind of um, final word, and mm -hmm. I have been directing the process, but it is still mm -hmm. very much a collaborative yes, effort. Yes, very much collaborative, but not maybe like a flat uh, struck. I mean, this is also for uh, speaking for myself. It's like for me, it's way easier if I have if I know that <laughs> someone else is seeing from the outside and has the last word because then I can also uh, like if Eto says no, then I can say yes, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then we can find some kind of um, midway or the next day maybe we both say ah it's actually no or it's actually yes, mm -hmm. or but. Uh, if if so for me that actually sometimes enables more collaboration mm -hmm. and then that you have also taken the responsibility of like the production which mm -hmm. is a big work right. and i think you need also recognition for it mm -hmm. can you be more free in your intuition if someone else has an eye on it and you don't have to like make an analysis while you are also being like interpretive yes i very much have this experience and we have worked with filming quite a lot filming and recording the sound and looking at them afterwards. So there has been editing happening for, yeah, the, for the final performance then. But somehow trying to be a bit nerdy and stick with the notations, like coming mm. back to them. Yeah, yeah I think this mm. is like, in the end uh, the, the performance is uh, somehow like rather formalist or uh, conservative in that <laughs> yes, sense. Slightly uh, conservative. Is it the yeah. same it's every... my catchphrase. Yes. <laughs> is it the same every time? It's quite the same. It's yeah. quite the same. Yeah. Mm. Of course, there's different energies every day. That uh, mm. then, uh, like, uh, as Corin uh, says uh, a lot of times, the dance is fragile. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so what, what I have uh, interpreted that meaning is that uh, like it varies uh, day to day, like when mm. you have different feelings and so on. And of course, you can see it in the performance, but it's quite set still. Mm. I thought that it was free interpretation. You like um, jamming with the sounds somehow, like that was mm. how it felt. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite set. Okay, but also that is really very much a choice. I think by mm. all of us. Yeah. 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 
So it's the sounds, like the sounds in the performance, they are using some of the same sounds as in the installation, but it's still a live performance or what? I did not really understand. Uh, the, the sounds are also set, so it's, it's not happening, uh, the creation of the sounds is not happening live. Okay. Mm. Uh, so it's a co composed piece. But during the process, like we worked quite a lot like that, that we were all improvising and somehow throwing in samples. Yeah, during, right. during the whole during, rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. from there we then gathered the material that we set. In the installation, are the sounds also like a set loop? Is it a fixed composed loop that is running or yeah. is it like an algorithm that randomly plays them? No, it's a fixed loop. I think around mm -hmm. half an hour loop. So you have composed like an omnidirectional sound piece? It's a, a, a or like a circular sound piece. I don't know what to a, call it. Yeah, it's a it's a um, like six speaker surround sound piece mm. uh, of thirty minutes that's working uh, as an installation with the images in the space. Yeah, yeah. and and, so and I, I I cannot say that uh, it's my composition since it it has been such a, a collaborative uh, effort in a way that Murat Tumeri has actually designed all the sounds and so on but then what we have uh, like but then of course I have been directing like mm. what kind of things but you so as on. a creator group ha group yes. has like um, right. composed yes. this like circular spatial yeah. sound installation yeah, which for the audience if like there's specific software to do this where you can place the sounds like visually you have a, an image of all these speakers in the room and then you can like direct the soundtracks and mm -hmm. it's it's yeah. a thing it's and like what yeah. they do for surround films as well and maybe somehow we just wanted to meet <laughs> meet um, and work and get into the hustle by by these notations or um, and then we decided that we will make a performance but somehow the performance is like a side product mm. that we decided that we make and then the method was maybe the, the actual work somehow or right. this is at least for me what I would like to continue yeah, uh, working with so 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 to also dare to make <laughs> dare to set and decide things and also um, still consider them like side products or mm -hmm. I don't know if trash is the right word but in yet yeah, there's quite a lot of like as as much like um, it doesn't mean that it is trashy <laughs> not at all but the stuff that that comes out and then you just put it in a package and you show it. <laughs> and then you keep working somehow. Yeah, because the installation has been on for like a week or 10 days now almost, where people can go and they can be alone here in the space and walk between the works and between the speakers and experience this. And then you have done a number of performances during the last week where people have known the times that could come and sit as an audience. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you consider it to be like a tribute every time you do it to the installation and the pieces that are here or do you feel like you're activating the installation in a different way? No, that, I think that's a good word. We're yeah, activating. activating. I really feel like I'm a part of the installation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> How long has this whole timeline been? Like, when did you come up with the idea and um, when did you engage all the other collaborators and... Mm. So I think this all started uh, somewhere in October last year. Um, and now we are in February. Mm. Right. Um, and it started with uh, me just trying out uh, like the CNC machine with these uh, speculative notations and I didn't yet know what I wanted to do with it. But then 
um, the idea somehow uh, maybe from the notations and what they looked like and what I thought that like how to interpret them and so on I was I started to think about um, a dance choreography or like mm. how to translate them into movements mm. first with the machine and uh, the CNC machine and after that we just uh, I don't know we were hanging out drinking coffee with Corin and then I talked about this and like I was thinking <laughs> that maybe it would be interesting to do a dance piece and then mm. she was really excited uh, to I don't know like yeah it was a bit random I had just lost the job <laughs> Yeah. So I had time. Also, right. this that we had time and so not it's so much time. It's a really time. nice coincidence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also the fact that we decided to do it like rather quickly, and uh, yeah. and also uh, it's nicest to work that way. Right, and we yeah. were tired, <laughs> so we said no longer than four hour rehearsals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's also like the premises also then defines the outcome. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Working light <laughs> and working fun. Yeah. yeah. And you are trained. As a musician initially, right? Like you yeah, did. I'm a pianist. Yeah. But you still wanted to engage another musician or sound designer, even though you could have done a lot of this yourself, right? Yeah, I was thinking that uh, it would be too much of a workload mm. because I've been uh, doing uh, sound design for dance pieces before and, and, and doing uh, music and playing piano and so on. But then um, uh, I thought that uh, it would make sense for me now to focus on different things. Because I wanted to try making a dance choreography, which I hadn't made before, uh, and then uh, and then directing uh, uh, somehow that or like facilitating the whole thing. I I thought that it was uh, quite enough of work already. It is no, um, it being the director or facilitator or organizer of something. Yeah. Right, right. It's a lot. Were you also the one like organizing all the practical stuff? Of, yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work to just make schedule yeah. the meetings. It was and much more than I anticipated. Oh yes, yes. yes. Um, yes. But For then in the end, stuff. yeah, yeah. So then I, I, when I decided that no, I'm not gonna do the sounds myself, then I. Uh, like, uh, like it was obvious for me that I would uh, first ask uh, Murat to marry because I really like what they're doing and uh, you their aesthetics and we are friends yeah. we're yes. good friends and yes. like we've we've been working together uh, like in music before we've been touring in uh, in, in Tokyo and in uh, Italy and so on with like band mm. stuff so it was like, like I knew that it's like even if we hadn't done this kind of thing together mm. I knew that it's it was just going to be really fun working mm. yeah. uh, with Murretto Mary yeah and also with the costume then this was the first thing I problematized <laughs> right <laughs> because right. it's a it's uh, to decide what to wear, mm-hmm. especially when it's so specific. This and the whole installation. installation is quite minimalistic. Like yes. you've chosen some yellow color and warm colors for some of, for the light panels, but still mm-hmm. it's very minimalistic. M- monochrome yeah. in here yeah. somehow. Yeah. So then Rise also, she has never made costumes. She also studies here, yeah. but was really interested in it and also interested in 3D painting. So uh, and also she was printing. Printing. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. she is a painter and she was interested in three D printing. Mm-hmm. So also she then worked with these notations and I think she made an amazing job. Yeah, <laughs> Can you definitely. explain what you're wearing? I'm wearing this. Uh, well, it's like white trousers and a white shirt, and then there are some three D printings that maybe somehow remind some. I mean, there's this dialogue between like organic and synthetic materials, yeah. so plastic and also woven. Is it woven? Yeah, yeah. stitched. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Demo. Actually, when you set about before, like this compiled mm-hmm. trash, somehow, like your costume is the most trashy looking in the. <laughs> in the in, not that it's like in yeah. a bad way, but yeah. it's, you know, it it looks like a collage of yes. things, and yeah. and not with like this that we hide the seams and all this like yeah. careful things. It's more like you put on all these different elements that they are yes. somehow just holding together. And yeah, I think it also beautifully like, came to be somehow from the this kind of exercise where we were uh, thinking about the, um, the the creator of these images and mm-hmm. like what what, uh, what kind of uh, like thing or creature or being mm-hmm. they could be and then we were talking about like uh, like thinking about different kind of like synthetic uh, mm-hmm. beings and what synthetic mm-hmm. images and so on so then it's a it's a nice kind of um, mixture of something very organic and something uh, like very um, like well plastic uh, 3d printing yeah. like very digital somehow made into mm. uh into, made into this rhizomatic form like into mm. some like mushroom rhizome kind of a thing so <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> mushrooms mentioned <laughs> yeah. oh. yes and then there is also this um i mean yes absolutely and also I always have this secret agenda with costumes to a little bit try to like deform the body. But mm. it has not been a main main thing here. You want them to deform the body or you just think that they do it? I wish that they do it a bit, mm. yeah. So mm. maybe, or like highlight things that are not so often highlighted. Mm. There's like, yeah, for instance, mm. this arm is quite highlighted yeah. for me now. To, yes. But it has not been a main focus. But right. we we talked about it quite a bit with Raisa. Yeah, and it was uh, yeah still talking about the, how uh, Raisa uh, came uh, to this project. It was really nice how uh, she was just really uh, like somehow like we we didn't know like, or I didn't know Raisa beforehand. But then like uh, Corin just like uh, suggested that hey like let's take mm-hmm. Raisa as a costume designer, and I was like yeah sure let's do it and. And then, like, it was nice that we had somehow, like, we were in similar positions with with Raisa in a way that we were both kind of like excited about doing something very new to us, like yes. me doing a dance choreography, and yes. then Raisa doing a like a costume design and 3D printing, and like be, yes. like kind of figuring out something very new, yes. which was also, I think, mm-hmm. a really nice kind of uh, um, uh, like for this project. Uh, um, to have this kind of, uh, like, um, for us to have this courage to do something like And also, I mean, it's also like a classic example of art students working with their friends. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that is one thing. You know all these people that is, like, right. with this podcast, yes. it's very few people I've interviewed that I didn't know in some right. way beforehand. Right. Like, it's... Mostly, I just have a lot of art friends. I mean, mm. the list is very long. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. it's also like, um, I think it's very good to maybe recognize after. It's like always a question of curating. Mm. But then for me, it's also then like a separate practice to somehow make the scene more inclusive. Or, or maybe a separate practice sounds wrong. But <laughs> to also allow this light... Uh, light projects that happen quite intuitively to keep, to stay with the with the uh, somehow with the craft at the same time as we can recognize the structures mm-hmm. and question them. I mean, and now I just take it up and I'm not solving anything, but I just want to recognize that that is how we met. 
Mm. <laughs> and also, <Yes. laughs> I mean, it's nice to recognize uh, that you can choose an art project or an artwork or a process and then allow it to be the container for this kind of experimental like investigation alone and together mm. that exactly. like, that this project in itself just gets to be somehow like a ca catalyst or um, a, a yeah, container for all these different artists to explore their own skills and mediums Absolutely. and yeah. work together and what does that mean or right. how, yes. do, how does it feel and, and wow. it's strange right. also I was like oh it actually became a performance mm. somehow mm. because mm. I also just wanted to dance right. <laughs> Yeah. Like really, yes. And that was very fortunate for me because I, like, <laughs> it was such an incredible dancer, and then like, it, and and then it's so so it's very easy to work with you in the sense that like I, like that's how I also like um, was able to try this new position because mm, I knew that yes. it would be like uh, that it would work uh, uh, with you especially mm, and not yeah. with just anyone. Uh, But did, so. How long did you work with this all alone before you realized that it was a larger scope for you or that you wanted to, to experiment? Um, I would say something like I, I wasn't working full time with this, but I, I had a lot of other no. things. But then like But first, maybe uh, like maybe I think uh, in the time frame of two months, I was kind of like here and there, like a little bit experimenting something with the, the mid journey. Yeah, with the mid journey and with the CNC machine mm. and with laser engraver and mm. yeah, and mm. like maybe like let's just uh, go back to this very technical process of mm. so mid journey is an AI. It's not like you had to code to use it. You just go online and someone has done all the coding and you yeah. get to use this system. So you just put in words. Exactly. Or yeah. What kind of words did you put in for this? Well, first I I started uh, with the idea of maybe something musical or, or more like a, a graphical notation for music or something like that. So then I um, uh, I was trying to produce maybe some uh, something that would resemble like um, more traditional musical notation. And what kind of like how so does then, it sound? So then, what you put in? So right. So then, what I was uh, like, I, I tried a lot of different keywords, something like. Uh, I don't know, expressive, baroque, uh, partiture for uh, these instruments or blah, blah, blah. And like, mm -hmm. just like a lot of different things and tried out and like a lot, uh, uh, most of the things didn't work or were like very boring results or so on. And um, Did you get actual musical scores and notes? No, not in the way that they would be like readable in a, in a traditional way. But you did use your language knowledge of like traditional music classical way of reading this to be able to yeah to definitely give the right words yeah and, and one of the uh, and one of the notations here in the room that you said as, uh, resembles like more uh, like some ancient uh, scripture or something then um, like that is something uh, like part of that uh, image uh, I think is very readable as mm. like uh, very intuitively as music mm. like as different pitches and different times and so on so it's a uh, Uh, and we also used that with uh, with Mary Haney uh, in the violin recordings. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was quite uh, simple also to uh, give instructions with some of the images yes. uh, for music. But then, because I, I, I have no clue about uh, dance scores and notations, then like that was more like a 
um, like a big question of like what to do and then like then that was very kind of um, like we started to figure it out uh, together with mm-hmm. Corin and, and so did you knowledge. keep working with the AI through this whole process um, well not to the end no. but uh, mm-hmm. but I like uh, Quite some time, I produced like new and different kind mm. of uh, speculative notations that but, we then yeah. read. But mainly for the dancing and for the music, also we used the ones that are now in the space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you and didn't feed the AI with dance language? Mm. No. 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 Okay. No. I came in, so to say, later mm. in the process when these were already decided. Which yeah. Ones. Yeah. yeah. And 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 they create very different movement language. <laughs> so that is basically what the performance is built from. And this specific one that could be read very literally for music, I also felt it could be very literal for dance. Mm. Yeah. We were making very formal dances. Right. And the other one's more imaginative. And yes, and Murato Meri was also making specific sounds with that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But did you keep using this like classical music language or did you start expanding and giving it other types of words? Yeah, I mean, I I tried a bunch of things, and and it was very intuitive uh, in a way that I just like it was more like trying different keywords, and um, but the keywords were um, like of, like the basic like maybe the like main uh, concepts or words words were like scores, notations, partiture, instructions for music and dance, and so on, mm. uh, in different styles. Um, uh, and then, like the the images that were produced, I then intuitively kind of picked what I would think would be somehow sensible uh, to read mm-hmm. uh, in different ways, mm-hmm. and also in various different ways that I wa- wanted to also try to produce like uh, different qualities uh, with the translations and use different methods of translating uh, in a way that uh, we would have like a multitude of uh, uh, of uh, of movements and sounds that we could then work on. Mm. And then to get it to the paper, you take these images and put them into the CNC machine or like into the software mm-hmm. of the CNC machine and then it scans the image and it engraves it or draws it. Or Right. So now the images in this space, they are not drawn by the CNC machine, but they are... Uh, engraved with a laser engraver mm. so it's basically yeah using these images that I've then um, I've then um, edited uh, and then yeah I, I, I feed them to the machine and then the machine will uh, engrave it to the paper so have these images first been drawn by a CNC and then engraved by a laser cutter uh, no no they've just been engraved okay. so there's no drawing at all there's no uh, pigment or anything it's just uh, like a card paper but you have a selection of drawings from the CNC so you have also worked with different yeah machines. yeah different yeah I've worked with different machines and then we've also uh, like not only read the notations but we've also been um, uh, how to say uh, we've been uh, doing things in dialogue with the machines or especially the CNC machine because like it's a very physical it. process it's right, a quite right. big machine and you can see how it's moving and it's making sounds yes. and yeah so we've also practiced imitating it and like we're all, and also being in dialogue with it with movement and with sound and so mm. on so it's yeah, yeah. wasn't like then the engravement's more of an aesthetic choice yes yes Yes, in the end they were like I, I wanted to use the laser engravings just because they they 
look very nice. I, and also, I think that's so nice. Yeah. And then you can have the works create the light in the space, that, like that, more or less the only light sources in here, it's, it's the actual works. So it's this yeah. like warm, dimmed atmosphere. Mm. Mm. And it also defines the space quite a lot because we, work, we used to work with the working lights, but now when we put them on, it really feels like a whole different, mm. Mm. almost like a whole different world. Yeah. That for me as a performer it defines it a lot where the light is coming from. Definitely, yeah. and now the light is coming from so many different sources that when you are in the space, it's not like you're on a stage with a spotlight on it. You're or it's somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we have like a uh, very dimmed spotlight when the performance is uh, happening, but then. Um, it's mainly not to be rude, like to lighten up a little bit. Mm. Right, right. <laughs> but then it was also interesting to build up the installation here because I. Like not only uh, had I to think like what looks nice in like the spatial composition of things, but also like how how it would frame the uh, frame the uh, performance. Yeah. Uh, so so it was because like the whole the, room is the stage, and also the audience has to sit in between the works and right, yeah. right. Mm. So there was a lot of choices to be made, and it was uh, quite difficult. But in the end, I think. Uh, uh, we managed to make it in a way that it uh, frames the s stage somehow or uh, where the performance will happen in the yeah. way that when people come to see the performance they quite intuitively uh, like go to uh, a certain uh, locations that and are... it is also I mean intuitively like it is also thought through right uh, and that the, that they become a part of the performance mm. so that you see the artworks at the same time as, as you watch them. You had also put up benches for us to sit on when I saw it. Mm. You don't do that every time? It's mainly, first we thought, mainly for people who can't stand for that long. Yeah. Like, uh, mm. Because it's like half an hour performance. Yeah. 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 yeah, I could have stood up, but I took a bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then now we have a few more benches. Yeah, we've now used two benches. And um, yeah, I... I, I thought at first that it would be nice not to have uh, anything so it would be just like the gallery space mm -hmm. but then um, of course uh, to make it more accessible to uh, people to uh, be able to uh, to sit uh, of course it uh, made sense to get some benches here. also it's this fairly raw concrete floor and it's really cold mm -hmm. to sit on actually right. at one point you are lying like flat on your stomach on the floor and I always think when people lie on these floors and performances or something that it's just so cold yes. <laughs> yes. so how did you feel Xenia when you uh, watched the performance and, and saw also these um, speculative notations in the space did you like try to kind of like did you go uh, to uh, like trying to figure out like how they're connected or so on or I mean okay so yeah you had shown me the machine working before and mm -hmm. talked a little bit about it so I knew obviously a bit what it was about but I definitely thought that the maybe the music was AI composed as well right. I thought that the sounds might have been worked with in a similar way as the drawings and stuff that mm -hmm. you had been using text to sound uh, like AI algorithms or that at least that the you had like made some kind of coding for a randomized composition mm -hmm. and that maybe 
each performance was a randomized composition and I was not sure if the sound designer was actually doing anything or if they were just like monitoring levels or right. or if they were like live because they were just sitting there with like a laptop maybe a small mixer but not like a big yeah. setup and yeah. not on the stage so I was like is it just a sound tech now or is it like a live performance mm. and I thought definitely that maybe Korean was doing more of an interpretive live like um, jam with these like uh, randomized sounds. I was not sure if it was pre-composed. But yeah. one thing I noticed is because the sounds are so different and that some of them were like people talking or these sounds that when they come in the speakers that are right behind you or right to your right or mm -hmm. left where the audience is, at some point I was like looking behind me to see who is it speaking now mm -hmm. in oh, the middle of this performance. Yeah. Like that is so rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, or like someone, it sounds like someone is like make, there You're doing something yeah. with a plastic bag or something. Right. And then you realize it's just part of the soundscape. It's mm -hmm. not actually the audience is super quiet. In Finland, people are really good at being really quiet. And yeah. Yeah. So that was funny that you were like not in the center of the speakers, but some of them were like kind of like hiding in between the audience or behind them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there is this one sound that really sounds like Ed was saying something to me. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? And then I'm also like, we have agreed quite early that it doesn't work so well with like a, a verbal inter interruption, especially like even in rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. you don't do it so much. No. <laughs> the first performance, I was like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I want to know what it is because I haven't uh, thought of that. So, yeah. Uh, but now, today is the last performance, right? Yes. And how many have you done over the last week? We, we've had four this yeah, far. Okay, so not that many. No, but also sometimes in dance you only perform twice. Yeah. And, and I've been so happy that so many have come to see it. Yeah. And sometimes you've had two in a day here, right? Yes. How does it feel as a dancer? You're the only one performing on the stage here. And yeah. you say now <laughs> that it's like quite fixed and composed from the beginning. How does it feel to repeat the same thing like every day or several days in a row? Not necessarily for this, but in general as a stage, like as a dancer. It's very nice. Like for me, I, I prefer to set the things or even if I have a task that it is very specific and that I have small reminders that because the body feels, at least my body feels so different depending on days mm. and you do many days in a row. So then now it feels like, ah, it's every time it's becoming more of a performance that exists outside of me. And this is quite relieving. Because, yeah, I noticed again, like, performing alone, it's quite heavy because mm. you have quite a big responsibility. There's of course, it's like a half-hour solo. Yeah, mm. exactly. I mean, could you do a half-hour piano solo? It's a lot, right? You could do it, but it's still... Yeah. Yeah. You have to be... Yeah. fully performing. You cannot, like, semi-hide in what yeah, is happening. Yeah, it's quite So for me, it's a lot about, like doing the tasks and doing the things and it's been a luxury to work with Ed because maybe it's also because you you play piano or from the visual work that you're so specific like that we have been really nerdy with the material mm. so that I know that it is similar each day I keep checking with Ed is it very different today because I don't know from the inside mm. it might feel but this I have learned as a performer, like I cannot trust how things feel. <laughs> it's too fragile. For me it gets too scary. Because then it's so dependent on me. And and I'm a living creature, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and of course if you have to 
come up with the new performance every day in your body on the spot it requires more resources or more of your like courage or presence than just following a script or like a set something uh, I could imagine yeah. that there is some like I do feel that when like working as an artist compared to just working a job where someone tells you what to do mm. you know I can work like long long shifts if it's just like some manual labor or some task that someone has told me you have to do it in this way and then I just yeah. follow directions yeah but if I have to like invent the work myself every time like I really it it um, wears you down in a different way or I don't know yeah. you need more it is different then yeah. at the same time no matter how specific the task it's like a different dance or new improvisation kind of mm. every day mm. um, I experienced in, in, in this performance but yes it's a different thing to do like improvised performances mm. I also love that but not alone actually mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes because yes. Mm. Yeah. I, I believe it's so much uh, dancing about being somehow in, in relation or dialogue and now I can be in relation to the material that we have created and then there are all the ghosts of the CNC machine and all of these Is it the and first? also with the sound and with the costume and, mm. and somehow also with uh, because you have, you have been present like every rehearsal and that's a luxury Is it the first time that um, <laughs> is it the first time you have um, been in re like creative relation or collaborated with machines and computers? And uh, no, you've done it before. <laughs> oh. Yes, or or I don't know. I'm dancing in this piece uh, by Brian Eno. That is actually yeah, it's like an um, algorithm. Okay, the whole piece is an algorithm musical mm. piece, but. Um, uh, no, I mean, it's so trendy, no? Yeah. I feel like I get, like, people are afraid of losing their jobs, but me, like, everyone is so interested in... Ah, because of all this AI stuff? Yeah, because of the AI thing. But it cannot replace a, a dancer. We're colleagues no. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course not. I, I, I just, like, started to think that because of, like, the, the AI thing being so trendy at the moment, like, it's somehow funny how like we've managed to still make very kind of um, old school conservative yeah. work with doing like using this like new technologies and yeah. like concepts but still like you, you like doing this very kind of structural formalist uh, um, I don't know uh, yeah. it's I, I think it's interesting like right. how, how, how it happened but you have also taken it further because right now the internet and social media is overflowing with people just doing text to image uh, based works mm -hmm. but you have then like taken these images and then kept working with them as an artist in many different ways that is like far outside of just feeding the algorithm with five word keywords yeah I feel, feel that for me that like what made sense or like how 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 I wanted to work or what what felt meaningful like working with AI was to kind of try to figure out how to make it into like a material world or somehow mm. like how to make it into right. something like uh, more humane or, right. or something like to, to like true different translations because it is here now mm. it's like manifested it's a part of art and I don't know who said it but like somehow in comparison to when, when photographs came 
I heard artists were very stressed about painting, but then mm, yes. the whole art form just took new directions. And mm. That's true, so because many... before people had their portraits painted and right, then suddenly right. they wanted photographs instead. And Right, yeah. and now like painting somehow, it, that's been like a huge potential now mm. for like abstracting things. So. But I do think that a lot of this AI thing that people are doing, all these AI images, I think it's very generic. A lot of it is not... It was very impressive the first week and then I got quite bored very quickly because mm. these different AIs do have each their look somehow. Mm. Mm. And when people only do it in this very low user level of um, things, I mean, it's not always like it's quite fantastical, mm. but I also recognize a lot of the same things repeating. Right. And so I get bored. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know, like there's no right. new creativity in it for me somehow. So I think that definitely when people use it in these like taking it further than the computer screen and using it into in using it to apply to other things mm. or, you know, utilizing mm. the medium as an actual tool just like you can do selfies with your phone, right? But you can also be an actual creative photographer. There are different mm. levels yeah. of photography. Yeah. And yeah. like Ed said in the beginning, like I really strongly also <laughs> am interested in the context and in the craft and in, mm. in who the creator of the piece. Like somehow I'm like addicted to feeling things. <laughs> and I, yeah, I strongly yeah. like that is somehow in the core of art still like in yeah. the making process to, to have some kind of emotional right. movement to it. And you can have it to AI, but AI can it cannot have it by itself. Yeah, and also, the, and also the AI-generated images, like as you said, Xenia, the, the, like first there's the aspect of spectacle, like, wow, what is this? Like, yeah. how is this possible? <laughs> and then, but then it becomes very dull because there is not like the... Uh, because there's no craft in it somehow like it's, it's there's no sensible craft in it or there's no story or concept or so on or maybe there are but it's like um, there's also just a lot of profile pictures for social media yeah yeah so then uh, so then uh, somehow yeah it just like makes sense to try to like figure out how to make something into a craft or into like to, to imagine or uh, figure out some kind of like a author or creator I like that you said this word the author because that's one aspect that I think I did not get to talk enough about in the last AI interview I did with not with an AI but the other artists <laughs> who were making AI art like this is the question of authorship because mm -hmm. now these AIs have been like on the accessible to the common user for quite like some months now half a mm -hmm. year a year close to that for some of them and now all these authorship issues are popping up, yeah. Uh, especially with Midjourney that you have done. Like artists are suing Midjourney now, mm. uh, or the creators of Midjourney. There are all these like um, uh, copyright disputes happening in courts around the world now. Mm. That I think is like totally new uh, law uh, arena. Yeah. Like no one knows how to deal with it yet. But it's also a question of when you make a collaborative project, right? Like even if you had not made AI, if you've just been this collection of artists creating, co-creating in this longer um, ping pong process, mm -hmm. like who has authorship over what? Now you mm -hmm. might be all friends and have not written contracts about stuff, but how would that be solved if right. there was money, if someone was to like 
try and buy it or license it or you know all these questions yeah 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 no we should always write contracts even we should have in a way i mean it's yeah. so easy not to do but even this like if it okay if it's your piece then you could basically have someone else perform it mm. yeah I and now of course i trust that you wouldn't do it without asking me but since mm. we don't have a contract we don't know but also i mean who owns the idea of like the piece and and how have you considered it to like how it is to collaborate with an ai as and you call it like the creator and Well, no, I'm not calling the AI the creator, definitely not. I think the no, okay. AI has been just a like tool for us, just like any software mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's okay. not like, a, I'm, in, in example, I, I have not credited Midjourney. And I think okay. it's, a con, a, like a, it's a conscious choice because I, yes. I'm not like crediting any like software I'm using in my pieces like otherwise. So I, I think it's no difference in a sense. But uh, but then like when I'm talking about author and uh, creator, it's... I'm not talking about mid-journey, but I'm talking about the uh, imagined creator or author of these mm. images that we've uh, imagined in our process, a which is different. Fictional. A fictional. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I mean, isn't it also debatable, like, if these AI tools and machines are, like, semi-sentient, like, in a way that you would not credit the CNC machine, but... In a way, like the AI has come up with these images from this like archive of knowledge, just like the dancer does. Or yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's like, like of course you can credit, and uh, it could have been a choice to do it. But um, maybe like thinking about Mid Journey, that uh, they have stole so many images without like uh, without kind of. Uh, crediting any authors and it's so, a lot of so the problems right now that the archive right. the AI is working from is like images stolen off the internet that actually is not open source yeah, yeah yeah and that actually when you create images through it you kind of sign away your rights to those images right like they they take ownership the creators of, of mid journey and some of these other ones they it is somewhere in the paperwork or in the fine lines that the image is created via this machine they have a right to use also yeah i think that they can i, I think that um the images i'm not sure about this but, i'm not sure uh, about exactly mid-journey and dali and other these text to image algorithms like maybe i think that they can't own the right to their there was this other one like it's called something that sounds like a girl's name i can't remember now but there was mm-hmm. problems there that like the images the people have people feed it with like photos of themselves and then they get these avatar looking uh, images so people were making profile pictures what was it called something with e or like mm. you mean i don't know well well I, yeah. i don't know but there was problems there that suddenly some people realized that actually the photos it creates of you you don't have the rights to them anymore so like it's even though it's made with pictures of you and it's like obviously you want these drawings mm-hmm. you actually are signing away your the rights to your face yeah yeah it's very yeah. complicated with this mm. yeah i'm not very familiar with all no we are also very stories. early in these like in the game of this now i mean all of this ai but for now at least are you running away i have to go to the yeah. bathroom at least yeah I, start with. i mean i love that yeah. you have been warming up in the space while you have been talking now <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can come back a bit, but yeah, I have to stop. Yeah. It's okay, yeah. we're also soon done. Yeah. Yeah. But but, um, but come back and say goodbye afterwards, yes. so we don't, yes. don't stress. Yeah. But at least I am so far very polite with all the AIs. 
like as customer service AIs and stuff, mm-hmm. I make an effort to be very polite with them because yeah. I would be polite with human customer service representatives. Right. Also, they did not choose this shitty job. The AI definitely did not choose it. I mean, the humans chose it. They didn't choose that it would be shitty, but they chose the job. Right. And they are getting paid. AI bots that are like, how can I help you? And you're there to complain about something. Mm. They did not choose it. And they're not getting paid. And I know it's just an algorithm, but I have this like dystopic sci-fi mind that I yeah, don't no, know. No, no, I think it's like, good. good uh, when is it going to like backlash, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be kind to AI because in the future with the general just, AI, yeah. it was... Uh, I'm very was, polite. Uh, I say, please, <laughs> I, please and thank you. Yes. And good day. I mean, yeah. Please be good to me in the future. <laughs> also, just because it seems like reasonable, why would I be unpolite, you know? Mm-hmm. Why would yeah. I be rude even to a machine? It's like unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'm, I, I, I'm usually like that also. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I haven't thought it through, but I'm ch- like usually when I'm like asking something like with it, like when I'm chatting with the chat GPT, an example. Yeah. Um, like usually being rather polite. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if it makes sense, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just nice. And I don't do this whole thing that maybe a lot of people do, like trying to question all these things and asking it all these complicated questions, like, oh my God, it is just coded to do this very simple thing. But I do, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't help but semi perceive all these things as like semi-sentient in some way or like that it's using language I recognize in this Mm -hmm. composed way that I'm recognizing and yeah I think I have seen enough sci-fi movies and enough like dystopic uh, apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic things and uh, yeah my brain is like um, biased towards Mm. like uh, the doomsday of it all yeah so I don't know, but I did realize that um, because there are so often, especially these like uh, customer service bots, you cannot get around them, right? It's impossible to find a phone number for any company anymore. It is so frustrating. I have realized that the easiest way to actually get to talk to a human customer service representative is mm-hmm. to politely just ask the AI to talk to a human. Mm. Can I please talk to a human? And it will try like, oh, but are you sure I cannot help you? And I'm like, no, can I please talk to a human? Mm-hmm. And then, yes, it will give you the option to like click to be forwarded to human customer service. And I feel like a Karen when I do it. Can I please talk to a manager? <laughs> can I please talk to a human? Yeah. You know, but, no, but I that's mean, a good tip. Yeah, I have to try it out. But sometimes it's just... I also, in between languages, I've been talking to the German. I was having problems with this German flight ticket company something so i had to speak german with this ai customer but and i mean my german is not great so i was working in between google translate and my own like collage of language skills and then this ai which can only do simple sentences Mm -hmm. and then in german and oh it was not easy yeah i mean yeah, I've had so many problems with all the translation uh, AIs, but they're a really handy tool like when you really need to use them. Do you want to work more with this in the future? Like now, I guess this piece might be like rounded up, but mm-hmm. but is it something you want to continue? Either this performance, Corinne is back. I guess this yeah. question is for both of you. Like, is this collaboration or this project, this way of working, will it... Will it uh, continue or extend or do you want to like uh, repeat some of these things in the future or? Mm, 
I think that, like, I think the process, it's, it's the kind of process that, like, it would be interesting to continue it in some way, not, like, repeating what we've been doing, but maybe, like, uh, searching something uh, different or more, mm-hmm. or, like, make variations or um, uh, do something in a very different kind of setting. I don't know, but, yeah. like, definitely it would be interesting to work, work more with this. It's been very nice working together, and that's really something to... Yeah. Uh, recognize also. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it's well known in choreography that all the <laughs> visual artists get the funding. Mm. <laughs> oh, really? The, all the dudes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always male visual artists that become choreographers. But that's more <laughs> of an inside joke, no? I asked him to be the choreographer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. No, but really, it's been very uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it has, but also like there's been so many uh, different like different ideas during the process that are maybe not AI related also, but something yeah. that it would be nice to like I don't know. It's nice that the the process somehow has brought different kind of ideas that are non related somehow to uh, these concepts, but but just the way how we work together. Exactly, it's like you have created working methods mm. that are very. Like also sustainable. Mm. Right. By that I mean not exhausting. Yeah. But more generating and really being in this like with the craft and with the art and really actually like multidisciplinarily mm. within mm. it of like this state where we write yeah. and we dance and we make these sounds and they're somehow all the same. Right. Uh, so that I would at least be interested in continuing mm. working. Which is a little bit like a theater performance or something that you know you have all these different elements that come together in the end as one spectacle yeah somehow but often in theater they are there to support the narrative yeah yeah definitely yeah oh yeah and here the shape has been the narrative somehow you have been working with the shape of these drawings so it's like Is that why you call it formalist all yes. the time? Yes, yeah. yeah. that's exactly why. Like, that's where the formalist and the slightly mm. conservative comes from. Yeah, yeah, for the listener, formalistic uh, art is like this specific uh. piece of art history in the 50s, 60s, something like this. I, I feel that also, like, what... Like, I, I just started to think about this, like, uh, like why we call it conservative but it's also maybe because uh, um, we haven't been like doing because this could be very conceptual somehow that it would be like mm. very random and strange or like mm. things like um, more kind of I don't know uh, like uh, contemporary mm. uh, but then uh, we ended up maybe making decisions in a way that like at, at least I feel that I, I made decisions during the process uh, somehow that Uh, I wanted to uh, create things that maybe quicken the heart uh, or something that it's more like a, like aesthetic choices also mm-hmm. to make something somehow um, like uh, beautiful to yeah. also like watch and listen to uh, and not yeah. li- and then may- but maybe our next piece could be uh, like more something um, yeah. like a very conceptual and not so much aesthetic. Maybe uh, this has to do with the light touch also to the. Like and even maybe also to why we're not crediting the AI mm. because uh, it's maybe a way to get going right. <laughs> and to create these methods and create to create the materials mm. and to define the aesthetic and the atmosphere. So we keep coming back to them, but every time somehow we have our own hidden agendas as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, excellent. And one thing that uh, for me has been quite specific is that every rehearsal is also a performance because I have an outside eye that mm -hmm. is only focusing on like um, uh, Wow, I lost. <laughs> but somehow only focusing on the composition. Right, and the qualities the, and the textures yes, and yes. the gestures. And so we have been very well. nerdy with the material. Yeah. Mm. But that is what you get to do when you like uh, collect or compose a gang of people who have specific skills, right? Mm. Mm. I mean, we're recording a podcast, but you can be in the space if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, when you then like... You, you make your team, right? I want this dancer and this mm -hmm. sound designer because I know they are cool. And then you have like your gang of friends and they're nice. Yeah, and <laughs> also, or, or that you're like, you are really skilled within your field and I want your geeky like archive or like um, mm. carefully collected skill sets. Yeah, or, right, um, right. I, I've been very um, lucky to have. Uh, both of these things, mm. like really nice people mm. around me who are also extremely skilled in what they do. Mm. Uh, so nice that you are like dancing while we are recording now. That I'm so stressed. I'm like a manic warm-up. Warm like I often, I can do it for like hours and hours. So this is very good that I'm a bit late. Like I'm trying to get away from that time. Oh, it is but nice. I just, yeah, I get a bit stressed. <laughs> um, I don't know, like maybe we have been more or less all the way around what will happen to this piece like this installation when you take it down tomorrow do you have plans of putting it up somewhere else or i think we should take it on tour yeah because it, could. it actually became a performance and why not and it's not such a big set design right. to, yeah. to bring around like the, the yes okay we didn't talk about the size but actually these like uh, light yeah. panels they're not so big yeah yeah and like you said we're a company now and we can make one piece a week yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it has to do with this like you could, side product thing. Mm. You could me. fit all of this gear and the people needed for the performance in one normal car. Yeah, that's yes. true. Off yeah. we go. Yes. We go. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been thinking about it, but uh, but we'll see what happens. Mm. Yeah. 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 Also, I, I don't know. Like if I, um, like I, I've been asked if. Uh, I, I I want to sell this, or if I like, I I could sell this um, the part of the installation. But that's also a weird question: how to sell media art? Right. It's like a weird. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. it's difficult because of course I mean like I was glad and I was like hmm how much should I ask? But then I was like did no, someone want to buy it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? then I was like I don't know. Who like, wanted to buy it? That's crazy. Yeah, but only like one one of the like not the whole installation, but just like one of the laser engrave, uh, ah, engraving pieces. Ah, so okay. So then I'm not sure like um, probably. Can you make a new one? Yeah. Then yeah. you sell it and then we use it as our budget. Because, I mean, obviously now this is a very careful selection, so exactly. you would not be able to take one piece out because the whole music and dance and everything has been informed by this selection, right? Or yeah, could somehow, of course, it? it can be, like, uh, it could be changed, it could be varied, but I'm still, mm. like, finding it a little bit troublesome, like... Uh, I don't know. It has it's to do with ownership also. Exactly. Like who owns this piece? Yeah. If yeah. it's collective, then it's not your choice. And also right. if it's a combined installation, if it's not like a, an um, assemblage of works, but if it's like this is a piece in itself, it's mm -hmm. a little bit like someone asking, like, could I buy the third chapter of your book? Mm. Right. Or a bit like I could sell my dance somewhere. Yeah. Not include any one of you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
but it is with media, yeah, and with media art and installations like sound art or this kind of like multimedia installations, it is a bit the only people who really ever buys it are galleries or museums who buys it for their collection. Mm. There, it's like very unheard of that private people buy like a surround sound installation yeah. <laughs> for their home. You know, yeah. it's not. But it's also, I mean, it's a different economy for you guys. Like for me, I often get paid. Like mm. <laughs> I often get a salary, or I can apply for a working grant. Mm. But if it's your only income to sell shit, then yes, you should sell it. I think so. Mm. Like it's also a, a question of yeah, survival. <laughs> but it's I like don't know if it's specifically in your case now here. Mm. But I think it's also to put a lot of responsibility on the individual artist to be like somehow shame for shame someone for selling or putting economic. Yeah. price on your work but it is like someone could, it. someone could have one of these drawings hanging at home you don't even need or like engravings you don't even need the light panel yeah. you can also have it hanging right they it could is. but they especially wanted the like light as, okay. as a light panel mm. kind of a thing but I mean if someone like it's not like anyone has ever asked me if they could buy like an abstract video piece of mine you yeah. know because what would they do like put it on TV once a week and like enjoy this abstract video art it doesn't work that way yeah. <laughs> I like the idea yeah I mean <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is why some of these areas to work in are very dependent on like the grant system for instance yeah, yeah. yeah. but it is sketchy I mean it's a whole different yeah, it's a whole different discussion. It's, but it is. Uh, it's yeah. Still, yeah. I, I'm touching on it in a lot of episodes with different people for different from different approaches. But I do personally think like it's super unsustainable to to place such a large segment of society on this like weird crooked infrastructure of like financial mm-hmm. grounds. Yeah. It's really uh yeah. where you have to like apply for permission for a working grant to just like please can I work? or mm. project grants that you have to like fully develop the whole project on paper before you can apply and then you have to sit back and wait to be told three or four months later if you can start the process and like it's just counterintuitive you know yeah. so in a way that you have created a media installation that you can take on tour as a performance I think it's a very nice hack of the system <laughs> yeah. because you could be paid for performance as a performance fee yeah. Yeah. every time yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just need a producer. I can't do I, it. It's I too can much. do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can do it. Really? really? Okay, that's amazing. Yes, Ooh. if you want. I I am of course you want. I can be a producer. I have done this a lot. Seriously? Okay, nice. Yeah. That I cannot do it in Finnish, but I can do it in English. Right. But uh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Definitely. I have organized tours before and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have okay, a producer. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, let's finish. It was wonderful. And I'll thank you for running so late with it, even though, like you said, that you had to yeah. prepare because you have the last performance. Are you going to do something crazy for the last performance? Is Ooh. that normal that you like? It's actually more normal in theater. Yeah, okay. In dance, there's this fucked up discipline. And it's fragile. Yeah, the, fr- I, the I, dance I, is I fragile. I have half an hour to figure something out. Okay. <laughs> okay, now I'm getting scared. <laughs> you can also do it. Maybe you yeah, will be yeah, dancing yeah. now. Maybe I will be You'll yelling be like something weird. <laughs> you know, you can do the worst thing. You could before I finish, you can be like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but thank you so oh much for God. sharing with me. Uh, and it was wonderful that for once someone else's laugh was maybe even louder than mine oh because usually God. it's always mind capping the sound mm. proof 
And so today we are two people with these like laughs that I will have to edit a little yes. bit afterwards. <laughs> but actually, I went to singing class yesterday and uh, she told me that she can hear from my laugh that I have a great pitch. I just don't know how to sing it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's a wonderful wow. comment. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> You'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> anyway, do you guys have um, websites or social media channels or something that you want to share with the audience so that they can check out your stuff? Uh, I have a website, but I hate having a website. Yeah? Why? It is because it somehow it defines and then the videos are so shitty yeah. and like. But please, I'm up for anything. <laughs> so you want to share what is... a performer or a dancer, call me. But what is your website? Then people it's can... It's just korinmustanen.com. Okay. Yeah. And do you have anything? Yeah, I have a website as well, edubekki.com. You haven't? I haven't yeah. learned. Yeah. Well, you're welcome to lurk. Am I yeah. <laughs> Um Yes, with the other dance piece ah, we made. Cool. Yeah. Do you have like um, something from this? Does this piece or collaboration has its own channel aside or? Not, at, not yet. At least we we have been talking about like kind of a, like half jokingly about making uh, making a company oh, website oh, yeah. We'll yeah. Yeah. yeah like a, a <laughs> dance company almost <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I always dream of being a company yeah <laughs> uh, but okay if if you happen to make that before I publish this episode you can let me know mm-hmm. and also maybe you can ask uh, the sound designer and the costume designer if they have any sites they want to share yeah. because even though they were not part yeah, of the podcast definitely. We can still share their links if they want to. Yeah. Sweet. And nice. give credit shout out. Yeah, really. Thousand yeah. shout outs. Such amazing work. And uh, also yeah. uh, the violinist. Oh, yes. Yeah, also, yeah. we can ask for all of them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I recorded the whole performance, like sound of the whole performance when I saw it the other day. Mm-hmm. So I might, I now there was a lot of sound today, but I might edit in some sound bits from the actual yeah. live performance if it feels right. Yeah, go ahead. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. If there is anything I forgot to say or ask or mention, now is the chance to shout it. Uh, no, I think we've we've wrapped it all. But uh, like, thank you so much for uh, like it, it's been a really interesting uh, discussion. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, no, it was nice. I I still am, have not fully understood all this AI stuff, and I have not yeah. tried to fully understand it yet. But it's talking yeah, it's to complicated people. It and is. it doesn't make sense anyway. And I don't like think before I talk. I do the opposite. So if I have said something horrendous, I'm sorry. Call <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> we can edit it out. <laughs> well, that's like, wonderful. Yeah, please make a gentle edit. <laughs> I don't really edit them much. Like really, only if there's yeah. something that really yeah. need. I have never before removed something from yeah. any episode. Yeah. You might it. Uh, only if someone like kicks the recorder and it makes a huge loud sound no no one has done that but you know there could be yeah, something like that I might like have that. done it now a little bit but um, no no otherwise it's one take and I don't write questions or prepare so I always just also talk <laughs> and so don't worry if you said something horrendous it's in one episode this is the 21st episode of all of them so mm. I have wow. potentially said a lot of like awkward things yeah <laughs> like whatever whatever it is we'll clip it out and then we will publish it as a statement yeah. on its own on its own yeah, no right. come on with no context 
you guys yeah. it has been so fine but thank you so <laughs> much for talking thank with you. me um yeah and thank you for listening also to the people out there Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.